I just, well, and then they change things. Oh, and we're live. For 40 years, I've walked the line between worlds and am well-versed in death. But I want to have faith in humans. Give me something to believe in. Earth below me, sky above me, fire within me. Brought to you by UPRN Network. I'm Trish Moe, and this is The Missing Piece. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm your host, Trish, and this is The Missing Piece. We are broadcasting live on 105.3 FM in New Orleans and United Public Radio Network. Um, we are also live on Parapost Network. And it is Monday, uh, September 26th. Um, I do want to thank Carnation uh, for sponsoring um, an hour of my show as well as the network. And um, it has, uh, it's, it's already started off. Y'all know my electronic technology frustrations. Goodness. I'm going to blame the asteroid. They just knocked off course. That's it. That's it. Um, tonight, I'm super excited to welcome back uh, Reverend Jennifer Moore. I call her Jen. Welcome back, Jen. It's, I'm, I'm so excited to see you, even though, um, you know, our little glitches in this, this matrix here. They... <laughs> yeah, the glitches. Trish, I'm so thrilled to be here, too. Thank you so much for having me back. It's like... You know, that first connection was like, oh, I know you. It's just so delightful to be Are here. Are you happy to be back? I'm happy to be back. <laughs> I'm delighted no, the, to be back. Yeah. People on the radio, they can't see that. They're like, what is what the hell is she doing? wrong with her? <laughs> you and I are already punchy and we haven't even started. Yeah, I could light a candle too, so I could do the same thing. <laughs> oh, I, I can't be trusted with fire right now. Yeah. Trish has been Trish has been holding um her light underneath her kind of like a flashlights for telling ghost stories. You know, as you were talking about tech and just the glitchiness of it, I actually have noticed that this is something that some empaths really, really struggle with. Is yeah. Um, that the tech does weird, wonky things. Like we can be utterly un, you know, sort of like just not in calibration with it. And our energy system can really disrupt things that, you know, the average muggle can just like navigate well, I, very easily. So I was, I was talking about that with somebody today because when, back when I had a few heart attacks, you know, and, and I went to my doctor, my, um, after like as a follow-up, you know, I went to my cardiologist and um, their office had two EKG machines. And, and I have, due to numerous, probably trauma when I was little and surgeries and stuff, um, I have anxiety at doctor's offices. So he says, okay, I'm, I'm, we're just going to do a quick EKG on you. I'm, he brought his machine in and he starts to hook it up and gets, gets close to me with it. And it like, it won't even turn on. It powered off. Like he couldn't get it to work. So then he said, just a minute, you know, he's like, that's weird. This was just, just working, you know, not earlier today or whatever, but he's like, let me go get the other one. So he goes and gets the other one. He's like, I just tested in the other room. It turned, everything's fine. He brings it closer to me, tries to start it and 
completely zaps out. And so he's like, I think I was like, sorry. Um, and then his lights and his TV started flickering. He's like, let's uh, get you out of here before you take out all my electronics. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so glad he could recognize that, uh, you know, we have that capacity to, to, to fritz things. I had a business partner who absolutely hated computers and he and, um, and at the time we had uh, just an old school, like bubble iMac way back in the day. And it was my per, it was my computer. Like I owned the computer, but it was a, it was for our business. So we shared it. And I had no problem whatsoever. And he was constantly having problems. It was glitching on him nonstop. And in his case, I actually think it was because he sent so much negative energy at the computer. Like he had so much loathing for it that the computer was like, you don't like me. I don't like you. But, um, (laughs) and I, I can see that. Yeah. And I've definitely seen that, that that can happen for people if they're really, you know, like when we get really like messed up and confused it can really just kind of double down on all of it and it just becomes a snowball i can't wear watches i can't wear watches i can't i really have to you know it it was a few years ago before i really uh embraced any any of these things or, or probably wouldn't have even believed half of them back then um but all my life and my family knows everybody um, when I would get upset, especially as a little, well, plus I'm a redhead, you know, people just expect <laughs> when I was little. Um, but I would, um, you know, trip the breaker, like all the lights would flicker, it, it, all kinds of things. And um, I kept uh, intuitively, or I guess, Claire, uh, well, Claire... Clairsentience is when you feel Sentience. things and you sort of feel it in your body. Claircognizance is when you just know something. What's what's the one where, that's all of them? It is uh, like all of them at once because I I have I huh. just I just read this the other day and I was like, oh huh, well, that makes sense. Um, but I kept hearing uh, control your emotions, and I'm like, well, and I live next to a power grid, so that's probably. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but I was like oh well that makes sense you know when I'm near power I need to find a way to control that because I have been electrocuted and struck by lightning and all that so uh in order to prevent those things then it, it's probably good to learn to to do it's good to learn to do that anyways but mm-hmm. that's why you're here Again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in learning how to like, you know, that dance between the part of us that if we can calm our own nervous system down, then the outside world can respond to that versus sort of the times and places where, like, for example, as you were saying, you were living really close to a grid. I have a dear friend who is... um I have a dear friend, I'm just seeing a message from Valerie that she can't ever wear watches because the batteries go dead and light bulbs in the house do too. Yeah, Yeah, I just, I would wear, I was able to wear a watch for like two, three days and then it would start to lose time and it would just kind of get wonkier and wonkier. And I finally was just like, you know what? I'm not going to spend money on watches anymore because I've never been able to keep one for 
any period of time. Fortunately, my phone agrees with me. Like there's something I can't about... touch remotes, like remote controls for TV. I mean, I'll just kill them. It... Yeah, yeah. In my case, it's more that the remote, I, well, we have a hair trigger remote. So if I touch it, it does things. But it's, 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 it, I think it's just as much about the remote. But I've got this, it's, you know, in terms of the grid, I, was, I have this friend who, she will, as she's coming towards like high tension lines and power lines, she will start getting this feeling in her body and these like really kind of dark thoughts. And a lot of times, like she'll then she'll like look up and she'll be like, oh, I'm driving under high tension wires. Like yes. I'm, I'm doing this. So it's that really interesting kind of intersection between the part of us that is affecting things but then also the part of us that gets affected by things and it's it's a really interesting dance to like keep our own sort of center but especially when you are like really close to the grid and in places where maybe you don't really want to be there well and right after the shutdown when all these new 5g towers went up you know miraculously during those two months or whatever um, it was right after that, that I had another heart attack and I noticed every time I would come closer to one, it would almost trigger my AFib again. Mm. And I got pretty depressed there for a while because on this earth there's, and the reason I learned that I was hiking near a lake in the woods with my friends and my heart started beating out of rhythm and, and, you know, I'm like, what in the world is causing that? And we came around a corner and there was a tower disguised as a tree. It was oh, like a fake. The closer, yeah, the closer I got to it, my I'm like, I'm going to have a heart attack. I can't, you know. So it got pretty depressing there for a while because I'm like, where where am I going to live? You know, this is, the, it, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. I can't go out in nature and get away from this. And there's satellites and there's, you know, there's entire, I didn't, I was like, maybe I'm just the odd one because it doesn't seem to affect anyone else. I mean, I assume it affects animals, but there's entire groups now that, that, um, and you know, all the reports are like, oh, it's no big deal. It can only penetrate your skin up to like so many centimeters. I'm like, a few cent that's like half your eyeball. No kidding. No <laughs> you kidding. know what I mean? And, um, but yeah, it's, it, there's, what would we do? You know? What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, God bless us as a species. <laughs> the things we think are good ideas. We're so like, foolish. We, we really, we really are. I mean, and I just, and, and the ways in which we somehow think that the human ego and human intelligence is the thing that's going to get out of the mess that the human intelligence and yes. the human ego got us into. But, you know, as you were talking about thinking that you're the only person who is experiencing this kind of distress around, and I totally want to say, like I was down in North Carolina a couple of years ago when I saw the, the tree towers for the first time, they are just like, they are like a perversion. They mm -hmm. are truly yeah. like, like there is something so wrong. Exactly. So wrong with those, with those towers meant to look like trees. It's like, mm -hmm. you're not fooling anyone to people, but you know, I, I just, I know from knowing so many people, 
that are highly sensitive and empathic and people who are sort of in the neurodiverse categories as well, who are really sensitive to EMFs and really sensitive to like Wi-Fi and cell phones and being around high tension wires and all of that. And it can affect for some of us, it's like, it affects our heart. It affects our, it affects our physiology. And then for some people it affects us mentally and can make us just feel really, really, out of sorts and uncomfortable and weird. So you are definitely not alone. And I mean, the challenge is, like you said, what do we do Mm -hmm. when it seems like as a species, we're kind of doubling down on all of this sort of penetrative technology? Like, we're just, you know, it strikes me in some ways, like, that this is almost like the lower octave of the ascension, in the sense that so much of what is happening is that we as a species are going from like the 3D and the earth plane into more and more awareness of frequency and moving, elevating into a higher frequency and a higher dimension. And our technology is kind of doing the same thing, but it's kind of through the octave of the human ego or the human experience. But it's kind of like, it just it just strikes me that in some ways the going from like analog to digital and now kind of almost into this sort of frequency thing yeah. is it, it correlates with what we are doing you know as our, like the soul's evolution well and, and it's been a few years now for me that i've noticed you know and it's all of my very close friends too, because my circle is pretty small as far as. But those certain people live halfway across the U.S. for me. We don't see each other for, you know, in person very often. But then I realized those people, like, there's no way we could be, which is really sad, actually. Uh, like you and I, we probably couldn't be around each other physically a lot or like live right next to each other or something because we're literally like i don't know Mm -hmm. like we'd probably kill each other i'm and i'm not even joking like the energies are too you know it's like it's like overload it's like yeah Yeah. (laughs) like you know i mean it's like um if too high power to volt if you're thinking in electricity literally yeah yeah two high powered batteries right you you can't or like you know a a good example they say with like teslas and stuff now that you can only have one per like three block area or something otherwise it zaps yeah it literally overloads the power grid so i think of people in that way like Mm -hmm. certain people with higher frequencies you can't have well especially if it's like a child or something with a high frequency, because that's like a baby rattlesnake. Like they can't control that. No, (laughs) no. One outburst, whether happy or sad or or otherwise, is going to blow the grid. Like, yeah. So. Well, um, and especially at adolescence, you know, I mean, and that was one of the things that I think they, you know, even back in the day when people were first starting to study like paranormal stuff and and poltergeists, Mm -hmm. just like how frequently all of the activity that is going on in a household, you know, there's like, there's a tween to young adult going through the hormonal disruptions and all of that stuff yeah. and just 
setting, like the electrical systems in the house, other, you know, objects. I mean, all of it can just be really affected. And I've had a number, I've had, I had, I've had people or talked with people over the years where they were dealing with hauntings, you know, that kind of like really disruptive, really weird energy. And I honestly have never had an experience where in talking with people about it, there wasn't a, a, a like kind of like nine to 18 year, you know, like a nine to 20 year old, but especially like mm -hmm. nine to like 16 year old in the household who was going through a lot of stuff. And then in one household where everybody in the house was really sensitive and the mom was a very sensitive person. <laughs> That's like my household. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like uh, electricity door, like all of it just, mm -hmm. you know, just wacky. But I'm sure, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. It's like you and I are both like, well, we both but, know there's way more. But, than is but, but you're right. Philosophy. It is, uh, you know, a lot of even even shadow figures. And I had never considered that until um, we were interviewing someone on Chasing Prophecy. And there, there's been a few uh, parapsychologists. Is that? Mm -hmm. um, and they had done all this research and said, almost like 80% now granted yes there are entities that are shadows I'm not saying all of them are but she said like 80% of shadow figures are a projection of someone in the family usually mm. um, it's literally like a manifestation of that you can see you know and, and it actually haunts of something traumatic that has happened whether it be abuse or whatever you know it is such a strong emotional um it has to projection to cause mm -hmm. that but but they said that's something that um and and i mean yes it could be something you know if it's somebody who's lived there before whatever if you live in like an apartment complex or something yes from someone else but she was talking about strictly in a home that wasn't previously haunted to the people who had lived there before and then the people who move in all of a sudden have all these shadow people mm -hmm. that's something in the family mm -hmm. which makes mm -hmm. sense because it's literally like something you're trying to hide that nobody talks about and right. the truth always comes to light so right um, that would be like your own, you know, yeah, that that's literally like the skeletons in the closet type. <laughs> Absolutely. Type well, I was just I was just interviewing um, a woman who is an experiencer and who and who has had a lot of experiences with um, extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about about the fact that in her family, nobody would talk about it, but everybody yeah. was experiencing it. Yeah. And that it, it wasn't until she was like, well into her adulthood, and actually very recently started having conversations and asking family members and being like, have you ever had this? And they're all like, yeah. And so I think that there's also that, that it does that sort of paranormal experience or seeing these projections 
And certainly ETs is different than is not necessarily the same as the shadow people or right. the shadow, the shadow men that were in, you know, like for me, the thin, the tall, thin man, mm -hmm. because, you know, it's so fascinating. It's this is the second time in, within a week that this conversation about the tall, thin men at the bed has come up. I think about my own you know, but the point I was going to make was that I think it does tend to run in family systems. Like there's that sensitivity and that awareness. And it's almost like what came, comes first, the sensitivity to it or the denial of it? Well, it, that's, it's interesting you brought that up because, you know, I'm, I'm autistic, but I wasn't actually diagnosed until like I was 30. I don't know, so, which a lot of women are, it's more right. earlier diagnosed with, I was, very well at masking from a very young age. Um, but what I've, what I've found in, in people that I know, most mediums, most um, are probably diagnosed or not, because it's that extra sensory thing, you know, we're sensitive to literally everything. And it's almost, it's like the sixth sense. So, yeah. um, that's something that, and that runs in the family. Mm -hmm. Autism mm -hmm. runs in families. Right, right. Well, if you think about it, back in 50s, 60s, any time up to about the 70s era, it was so common for men in a traditional, I guess what people can define back then as a traditional family dynamic for the man to go to work and the woman to you know, keep house and, and be a homemaker. Well, so, so a lot of people like me, I'm very, I, I could handle a job. I, you know, I've been in like ran businesses before and, and I mean, still do. And I'm, I'm great at that, but then there's other things. And, and I think about like people in my family, you know, not just like my dad, but grandparents, things like this. I'm like, wow, that like they were geniuses at their jobs could do that great but then you know like like they'd be calling me asking me how to if my mom or grandma or whoever asked me how to use like a washing machine or mm -hmm. or you know mm -hmm. do simple tasks that and that's the whole balance you know I think um plus the grounding yourself kids and adults anyone back in the day I was outside making mud pies and playing in the dirt and you know making crafts all the time and doing all these things. Now we just sit people in front of like tablets, TVs, whatever. And so there was, I get really triggered as far as my autism. If I don't have those things, if I don't go out in nature, if I don't, mm -hmm. you know, play in the dirt and literally like hug a tree, whatever. And so, so there are things that make it better or worse, you know? And, and I think, that's what causes people to be able to, I, I guess, um, kind of deal with, with those sensitivities in a better way or an easier way, I should yeah. say, yeah. especially when it comes to spirits. Well, and I think, you know, I think that having access to nature, being able to ground ourselves, you know, I mean, the whole thing about being able to ground ourselves is like, literally, if you think about the way that a ground wire works and just how with electricity, if electricity is grounded, then it doesn't short circuit. 
And if electricity is not grounded, it just does all kinds of cuckoo things. It can set fires, it can short circuit, it can glitch out, all of this other stuff. And human bodies are electrical instruments. Like we are made of energy. You know, we appear to have matter, but we know that atoms are just like fast moving everything, that ultimately all of it comes down to frequency and energy. And you're right, like the way that we are raising this generation of kids in front of tablets, in front of screens, in front of and not mm -hmm. sending them outside, it it does not support us as an organism. And I really over the summer, I was I was um, channeling I channeled a book over the course of one week. It's got a lot of work to do between now and, and when it gets published. But I, I, the my guides, my my council of we came through and they gave me like all this information. And one of the things they just kept saying over and over and over again was, "You are," or they kept saying, "We as the human race, speaking about the species, us as a species, we are cells in the body of this earth." And really, everything is a cell in the body of the earth. Yeah. And if you think about yourself as a cell in the body of the earth, when we start siloing ourselves, when we start compartmentalizing, compartmentalizing ourselves, when we start insulating ourselves from just being outside and being in nature and touching the trees and touching the ground, I think that we start becoming these like rogue cells and you know, left, like, it's almost like when something is left to its own devices and doesn't have sort of the order of the universe to entrain with, then mm -hmm. wacky, crazy things start to happen. Uh, you know, I was thinking about that in, in regards to the earth, literally. Um, as of recently, you see things happening all over the world that they can't explain. They're like, wow, there's just this explosion in the middle of some, in the middle of the desert. Nobody knows where it came from. And it just looks like a volcano erupted. Mm. And, or there's like water spouts and there's, you know, sinkholes and all these things. And I'm like, okay, the earth is literally no different than a person or anything anything yes. else so of course but but i've seen it more now than ever than ever before it's happening at a very fast rate um so so yeah if you start if we're putting more bad in than good it, you know creating an, uh, an imbalance if you think of the earth like like your stomach or something if all you eat is junk food all day you're gonna get sick Exactly. So, exactly. You know. Well, and if we start thinking of ourselves as part of the earth and really mm -hmm. interconnected, one of the things I've noticed is that there's so much dialogue and, you know, even within sort of the woo world and the spiritual community, I hear so much like almost like sinner kind of mentality perspective of ourselves of like, we are the lowly, horrible creatures that are causing the demise of the earth. And Recently, I've just been really feeling like, well, what if we are part of her or we are part of her? And what if like our journey is part of her evolution? Like that, that like as we are part of her and we are consciousness here as this, like she's working through this as well. It's not mm -hmm. just 
oh, we yeah. are these, as above so below as I mean, above there's... so below and but and that mm-hmm. we are not separate from her like right. she's got this process and this lesson and this thing that she's going through to kind of come back into integration and I, they're just i mean i think that we've gone through the sort of the great illusion of separation for 5,000 years now, but we are starting to move back towards the understanding that we really are interconnected and we are all one. But we're kind of, I don't know, where it feels to me like we're kind of in like the ship is in the process of like doing this massive pivot, massive turnaround. And in the same way that that kind of like uh, buffer zone between Mercury going mm-hmm. retro, you know, when Mercury is coming out of a retrograde or going into a retrograde, but when you've got a planet that's going retrograde, there's like that, that shadow period where it's still kind of challenging, even if it is turning around or making yeah. that shift. Yeah. And and it is, it, you make a good point, you know, um, we always teach forgiving ourselves and in, in things in our own lives. And, and it's the same with the planet. Yes we we can't do anything about the past we can start now mm-hmm. and be fully aware and change the future yeah. um but we do have to forgive ourselves for because we didn't know before you know we Just didn't like, know before you don't know you're allergic to food or something until you eat it so right right um well and so much of our technology and so much of the stuff that we as a species have sort of evolved into and have been able to create was in direct response to a challenge or a problem or a solution like i think sometimes we look at the world through the lens of the resources and the privilege we have now as if like I don't know, like we compare it as apples to apples. And so often I think that we have a new perspective, but like you were saying, it's like, if you've never eaten it, you don't know what it's going to do. Like, I really do think like the people who came up with like TV dinners and plastics and all of the technology from the 1950s and sixties, they really thought that it was going to make life better. Like I really, I believe, Maybe there were some nefarious people involved, but I honestly think that most of the people who were involved in that technology at the time thought that they were going to make life better for human beings on this earth. There was a, it was actually when I went to the Sally house in Atchison, Kansas, but there was a paper plate outside of the house and I, and I kept hearing, um, um, you know, you are what you eat and what you feed, feed you and all all this stuff. But it turns out that the man who invented paper plates was from Kansas. And Mm. it was funny. I was saying about the the men and women thing, but it was during the war. um, And all the, um, in that specific area, a lot of the women were sent off to be, you know, to help to be nurses and all kinds of stuff. Um, so that particular area where he was from had less women and the men were left behind and they didn't want to do dishes. So they thought it would be easier. <laughs> yes. See, this is what I'm talking <laughs> Oh my God. And quicker so they could all get back to work faster, you know, but it was also the women that were there. Um, because the in other places he's like well it solves that problem too because in the in the towns where across the u.s where men were um drafted 
and the women also had to go to work in the factories and stuff right to keep everything running he said well they'll they'll do less dishes you know they don't want to get home from work and have to do dishes also so yes i mean they legitimately thought it was it was creating less stress you know in their lives at the time and yeah yeah well and at the time it probably did create less stress and you know that's the whole thing too about like quantity <laughs> you know it's sort of oh like my goodness. you know just even like sugar and and like soda yeah. you know i think about when i was a small child if you got to have like a like an eight ounce glass of Coca-Cola, that was a special treat. Like oh, that was yeah. something that you got it on rare occasion and it was a really yeah. special treat. Like I remember when it was like being able to eat candy was something that you could do. Like at least in my household, it was like either you were visiting some auntie or grandma who had the oh, bowl yeah, my of is hard ribbon candy. <laughs> uh, yep. That's awful or stuff. Or the butterscotch. The uh... Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that tasted so bad. And I mean, I think, I don't know, the grandmothers with the ribbon candy, it's like, it's pretty, but it tastes so bad. It's like, you can be sure your grandchildren are not going to eat a whole lot of it. But, you know, back then it was, people were using or consuming these things in moderation and as a special treat. And then, you know, we had the farm subsidies that happened with corn and corn syrup went from being, we developed high fructose corn syrup and corn syrup oh, went so from being, it's so bad for you. And it went from being like this thing that was fairly unusual and inaccessible to being ubiquitous. And then all of a sudden with the farm subsidies, we have these massive amounts of corn syrup. And so then as a result, it's like, well, now we have to make more soda. And now we have to convince people that it's okay to eat Kit Kat, you know, you know, eat a Kit Kat bar bar in the afternoon every single day and all of these other things. And so I think that it's like, in some cases, it's like, yeah, paper plates, not necessarily a problem if used on a sort of on a on a need on a needed basis. But not, you know, but then it's like as humans, we just like take these ideas and then we just. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. And, it, and it really, you know, I was I was with um, I took my daughter to the zoo um, oh, a week or two ago and it, they have in big. And I'm like, you know, we really need to display things. All these ad signs that says for lease needs, you know, I'm like, while they're waiting for somebody to lease that, why don't they put up almost like um brochure style you know info um gram type things that they tell because it, that really made i was like wow it takes 700 one tree makes 700 paper bags well one cashier probably goes through that in a day mm. you know or mm -hmm. probably less than a day mm -hmm. um and that's when you think you're doing something good by using paper. Imagine the plastic, you know? Right. And then it, right. it talked about, it showed how many years it takes styrofoam and plastic and glass. Glass, obviously, never, ever. Um, well, I, I think it takes like a million years or something. I, I don't know what the rate of is for... Um, but styrofoam, obviously, takes a very long time. Very long time. Um, and, and plastic... It, there's so many plastic doesn't take it takes like 400 years for a plant but the chemicals in mm -hmm. the plastic are just as bad for us much less the earth so so yeah. 
But all of those things, I'm like, wow, wow. And, and we always, you know, I'm an artist. So I use things like, people are like, I, I don't know what you, I use things for multiple, it, it's like in multiple series of things. So mm-hmm. for instance, if I, if I grow flowers, so not only am I getting the joy of growing them, and then if I pick them to, or, or photograph them, because I'm a photographer, and then once I do that, I put them on, you know, in a vase to enjoy, which boosts the mood in, in my home, and thank them for that. And then I also, I usually end up painting them, mm-hmm. or drawing them, whether it be via watercolor, you know, acrylics or something, and then I dry them, mm-hmm. and make them into a different part of art and then after they're dried I make my own paper and I put them in that <laughs> because all these things I go out and I'm like why am I buying this why don't, like use what you have use, use what, what you, you have, have. And, th- and that has to do I was thinking they're talking about moving to Mars and stuff today and I'm like why instead of just destroying you know you see all these buildings abandoned mm, mm, and mm. and they're still building new ones and I'm like that one has a perfectly good foundation. Why don't you use that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Use what you have. We can use this earth. We can still save this earth instead of going to a different one because the same thing is going to happen there. Well, and it's, it's, you know, there's a term called geograph, taking a geographic cure. And, you know, and I just think about, it's like, you cannot move to a new location. It's sort of like if somebody is a raging alcoholic and mm. they decide that like living in, you know, they living in like, going to, like living in Boston and going to the Irish bars is causing the problems. So they're like, right. well, I'm just going to move to, <laughs> I'm going to move to California because it will be safer to be in California. And it's kind right. of like, yeah. And then you're going to find bars in California where you can do the same thing, yep. you know, and, and it's sort of, or like even the whole thing of people who decide that uh, their marriage is flagging. And so they're like, let's have a kid and save the marriage. It's like, no, the problem is not the problem. We need to deal with the problem, not go to Mars because, yeah. you know, so absolutely. It's like the, even the whole thing of America, you know, we, and, and that's the thing that's fascinating about America is that Mer- America, America was built on resentment. Mm-hmm. America is a place that basically we are, we are the we are the descendants of people who could not get along with people in their own homeland. Yeah. Like we're the ones we're the ones who made the decision to for one thing to be like they're causing me the problem therefore I'm going to leave it and certainly in some cases the opportunity for a better life certainly was the reason to move to America. But I think especially the early puritans and the early settlers they're here because they didn't agree with other people. And I think that that is kind of a phenomenon that we have as, especially as Americans, is this idea that we can just stop, like, like that just somehow, like, we can just be like, okay, I'm going to get away from this. And that we have a very, like, there's a way in which we have such a reactive nature as a culture. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and it's like, and, and you're absolutely right, because most people, well, in families, in families, in, most people's families treat each other worse than 
than anyone else. I mean, and, and there's so many aspects to that. I get that. But in neighbors, it's the same thing. You know, coworkers, all the people you're surrounded with. And and people don't realize, it. I mean, I, again, ask me how I know. I'm not, I'm not criticizing people. I've, I've been there. Like, I know that. I still do it sometimes. But it took me so long to realize that, um, as it does most people, I mean, you hear it all the time, but to actually comprehend the statement of, of somebody's projecting their own feelings or insecurities or whatever onto every th- their closest surroundings is, that, is mm-hmm. 100% correct, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, all of the time. And that's why we can't get along with people near us because we haven't done our own work yet we can't get along with ourselves in that area so exactly exactly um it took again it took me over 40 years to realize after high school i had moved halfway across the country and then i'd come back to kansas then i'd move halfway across the country and come back to kansas and and i kept doing this thinking that you know i'll just and and i'm like okay this like why do i keep coming okay well my family lives here but also i'm like it's not the place it's Mm-mm. because the same thing happens halfway across the country because it was i was running from things that, that i hadn't dealt with yet so right right um and, and and then there's and in kansas it's very different because people don't a lot of people don't leave here you know, I've I've known people that are in their 90s and haven't been further than a 30 mile radius, which is yeah. great. But then that also creates for people coming in and and um, increasingly judgmental <laughs> environment, yeah. because if you've never been out of your own little, you know, bubble, then then you don't know that other things exist. So. Exactly. Well, and here in Maine, it's. um. You know, people who like there's a very clear boundary about like if you were not born here, you're not a Mainer. Like I am, I'm a mass hole. <laughs> that's what it, that, that's what they call people like me because I'm from Massachusetts and they literally call us mass holes in the state oh, of funny. Maine. And um, you know, and and I will say that it is in some cases it is a a very well deserved moniker. You know, <laughs> like there um, but. But it's sort of there is that quality of certain places where it's like there's the us and them mentality and that attitude of like, you know, we're set, we're in, you know, we're set in our ways, we have this perspective. And what I mean, this is a whole other like tangent you and I could go down about just that sort of the dance between being grounded in our heritage, being grounded in our land, being grounded in our home, really understanding our place in the family of things and where we fit in all of it. I was but, a redhead, so I was screwed from the beginning. I yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> and for fit anywhere. <laughs> well, and sensory processing stuff and, you know, all of, and being um, chimera and all of the fun stuff that you've been dealing with, I'm sure Kansas would not have been an easy place to be a very unusual child. Yeah. I mean, it was hard enough being an unusual child in Massachusetts and, you know, where, where I think there was, it's a lot more, it's a lot more progress. I don't know if progressive is the right word, but seems like it's a place where there is definitely like room for weirdness. Yeah, I, I have, um, I have family in Massachusetts and, but um, like when I lived in New York, um, 
of course, if you, I, I was even born and raised in Kansas. I, I had just moved everywhere. I moved as an adult from Kansas. So of mm -hmm. course, you know, you get the whole, you're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. And you know, <laughs> uh, shoot, I got that when I lived in Japan, people, <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. Everybody's seen the wizard of Oz. I get it. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. get it. <laughs> yeah. You get it. But, yeah. um, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. The Northeast is very, um, I would say anywhere on the east, actually, yeah. is, you know, I lived in the south, and, and it's the same way as the northern part. You go mm -hmm. west, you know, I lived in Colorado, and and they're much more, they're, Utah's its own, its own state, you know, <laughs> but, um, but any other, any other state that direction is pretty accepting of just, just about anything, which makes sense, because, um historically they had obviously they had ships coming in as well with with immigrants from for a very long time and those for, were from very different countries than the europeans you know side so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but it's it's i think again for the you know neurodiverse community and stuff we see things so differently so it's very frustrating to we're like why can't people get that we're all <laughs> every you know everything and i and i get it i get both sides but yeah yeah well and i you know i really believe i was having a conversation earlier today about the fact that so many more people are you know, there's so much more neurodiversity. There's so much more. There are so many more people waking up to being empaths. There are so many more people who are just perceiving things in a different way. And I really believe that part of why there's just more and more of us like this is because we are the canaries in the coal mine, but we're also the ones who are like, I think we're getting to a point of critical mass where there will be basically that ability to say like no mas like no more yet this is not working peeps yeah. and i as we more and more of us are have that capacity for extrasensory perception as more and more of us has the capacity to feel emotions that are you know and distress and other things it's going to get to a point where it's like even though i'm not the person experiencing this because that other person is experiencing this or because that tree is experiencing this or that animal is experiencing this or that river is experiencing this this is not okay this is not acceptable I think the challenge right now is that there is a there is a growing number of us who are feeling this, but there is also a level of, for lack of a better word, impotence in the sense that we have not quite hit critical mass. And so I think a lot of times we can feel remarkably helpless, powerless, and guilty because we see there's a problem that needs to be attended to but we can't really like, there's only so much we're capable of doing. I actually, well, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I have this memory that's kind of, I had a friend who could communicate with animals. She was one of the mm -hmm. best animal communicators. She still can, but one of the best animal communicators I've, I've known and animals would talk to her. And so she happened to be at a pet store on Newbury street in Boston many, many, many years ago. And there was this gorgeous hyacinth macaw that was like very pot, you know, was there. 
And she walked into the pet store for whatever reason. And the hyacinth macaw just started talking to her. And the macaw was like, and even like squawking at her and talking, like talking. And the macaw was like, take me out of here. Take me out of here. I hate this place. I hate oh this. My I'm gosh. miserable. I can't, go, yeah. I can't go to pet stores. Yeah, I know. No, not at all. Can't do that. Not, not at all. Um, but so she's like hearing this macaw and all she could do was just stand there and say back to him, I am so sorry, but there is nothing. I, I hear you. I know that you're miserable. I know you don't like being here and that you're really, really, really unhappy. And there is nothing I can do to save you. And I think that that is one of the most agonizing places for us to be in as yeah. empaths, especially when we are feeling the labor pains of this new awakening as a species. Yeah. You know, it's messy. And the thing is, we don't always make it through birth. It's, you know, more and more of us do now, but, you know, we as a species have, and, and not just as a human species, but any mammal that gives birth, there is like legacy of ancestral memory of how perilous and precarious it is to give birth. And in a lot of ways, I think as we, as I mean, the whole planet is in this evolutionary stage, but we're, we're definitely in the awkward in between stage. Um, I, oh, I know. I was going to say that I don't think there's more of us necessarily because I, I think that I live, Topeka was considered the psychiatric capital of the world. And we had this big, um, you know, there were psychiatric orphanages, there was a state hospital, and then we also had the very infamous Meningers um, Hospital, which also has a branch in Massachusetts. There were horrible, horrible, horrible things done there. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I don't think that there's necessarily more of us now. I think that it's just more acceptable to um to have you know we're we're accepting mental illness we're accepting neurodiversity we're accepting behavioral challenges all of that obviously more so because i even had kind of you know setbacks from from talking about any type of even you know and I came from Roswell, like I, I had from talking about experiences with UFOs, from talking about anything mental health wise or depression or, or even because that can also, you know, we talked about that before. That can be generational. It can be past life. My most recent past life, I was in an institution that was burning down. So, oh. of course. I'm going to be, and I remember the part of the life where I got there and, and I was like accepting of it. And then the building, you know, and, and I'm completely helpless. Like mm. I was like strapped to some bed or something. And so, yes, I think in a lot of, especially, you know, in the older generations, they're still, whether it was diagnosed or not, or whether they would even talk about it, you know, this was back when even in, I think about in my parents, you know, my mom's in her seventies and in her era, no way would you tell somebody that that you were depressed. Shoot, they sent women to the psych ward because they didn't want to clean house, you know. Right. So right. <laughs> right. much less anything else. So 
Um, or she wasn't willing to have sex with her husband. Exactly. You know? Like yeah. all kinds a, of reasons. Oh yeah. And that, so, and that was their excuse to get rid of their first wife that they didn't like to go remarry. You know, right. and so horrible and, and being a medium and empathic here. And they found there's thousands of unmarked graves under this city mm. and these people were tortured. And, and so I see that that's that guilt that comes forward with me. You know, there's yeah. nothing I can do about that. Um, but it's it's horrible it's absolutely horrible to know that especially as i understand more of of even autism and stuff with with myself and i i used to work with adults with developmental disabilities and they were the greatest people i've i you know i learned so much um and to think that we just killed just recklessly you know um, and turn and, and people turn their heads to it, right? You know, right? right. Um, geniuses, and, and I even know people still that are absolutely such beautiful people that are kind of still stuck in that trauma of not being accepted and not however they grew up and however you know because they're different. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think you know, I mean, I do believe there are people who have a capacity. To, to function in the ordinary world and who are not as sensitive as some of us are. Because I've had enough conversations with, with people who do not have, who are not, who are, who are, who are basically neurotypical mm -hmm. that I do know that there are those of us who are different. And then there are the people who are, who are, who just have a very different experience of like, like who experience the world in this very compartmentalized way. And I do think that one thing about that is that it is much easier to see the world with blinders on yes. and to not be like, I was actually having a conversation with this, with this, fr my friend Katie Gall on a podcast that I, that aired a couple of weeks ago on the Empathic Mastery Show about ADHD and empaths and how there's a real intersection between, you know, these two. I mean, empath is not a diagnosis or a pathology. It's just, right. you know, it is, it's a science fiction term, but you know, that there's definitely this really interesting intersection between ADHD and empaths. And Katie was talking about one of the things that she had learned was that, that they that that there is a theory that ADHD is actually was sort of an evolutionary boon and that because the thing is that when it came to hunter gatherer society there that the people with the capacity to sort of see multiple things all at once were the ones who could like look across the horizon and see the berries and see the herd of buffalo that were sort of walking across the top of the ridge or mm -hmm. any number of different things. And that the average neurotypical person is kind of going from one thing to the next thing, but not necessarily not necessarily noticing all the things the way those of us who are more neurodiverse do and or neurodivergent do. And I had this, I don't know if, I don't think I told you this in our last thing. I had this experience where I personally really got like that I was different. I was visiting, I was doing like sort of, you know, like a hanging out and doing an overnight at a friend's house when I was like 18 and a half years old. 
And we were partaking of some, um, you know, of some substances. So we were in a slightly altered state, psychedelic kind of state. And it was sort of the end of the night and they had put on um, Gamera, like, you know, versus Godzilla on the television set. And I was in the room and there was my friend and her boyfriend and maybe some other person and me. And I was watching them watch the television and they were like completely focused on nothing but the TV. They were like, that's all they were seeing. They were like focused on Gamera and Godzilla and the Japanese movie and how funny it was. And like the, the, the really artificial dubbing huh. and all of that, like that's what they were doing. I was aware of the TV program. I was aware of the fish tank that was bubbling and making sound and the electricity that was coming, the yeah. sound of electricity from the fish tank. I was aware of the sound of the electricity and the hum from the television. I was aware of the lights that were flickering over my head. I was aware of the other human beings, their bodies, mm -hmm. that they were breathing, that they were experiencing these things. I was aware of my own experience sitting in the seat that I was in and the way that the floor was just like a little bit warped, like it was, it was not a level floor. I was aware of everything in that room mm -hmm. while they were just aware of that TV show. And for me, I was like 18 and a half. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, I experienced the world completely differently than these people experience the world. And I'm seeing so like I'm seeing all these things that they're just not even aware of. So I guess I would wonder, even in the case of some of these folks that, you know, like, like they can just sort of look the other way, is it that they can look the other way? Or are they really so kind of siloed and compartmentalized that they really can simply just be oblivious? Uh, I, I think both. You know, yeah. I, I think also it has to do with not so many people aren't present. Right, right, um, right. And and that's due to, you know, your chakras and lacking of grounding and, and everything else, you know. So, and I love and hate that everything's done for us. You know, mm. I was thinking when I was helping my son with um, a science project. I'm like, man, you all can just like pull a picture up. He had to make a poster board, you know, for it and, and have these. And and I was like, you can just pull the, pull this up on the Internet, print it off, you know, glue it on there, whatever. I was like, shoot, that would have taken me. I, ha I would have had to search through 75 Better Homes magazines and like use a dictionary that nobody's ever heard of nowadays because we've got Siri and, you know, to like write down or, or type it out on the old school typewriter. Right. Tink to tink, tink, tink. And, you know, use the whiteout. Which yes. Is, yes. Like, like all these things are done, you know, and it's not our kids fault because they, that's the generations they've grown up in. So that, that's all they know. But I'm like everything is done for us the same as um i i came home one night and the, it was like dusk and and the power went out in my entire like huge parts of the neighborhood and everybody's outside panicking on their phones calling the power company and i was like whatever it'll come back on when it comes on you know because my like i have candles and 
I know I, where I grew up on top of a mountain, that was my favorite time when the power went out. That meant my parents were going to play board games with us and we could mm -hmm. sit around the, mm -hmm. you know, wood burning stove. Like, but it doesn't, it's not something that made me, I, which I get why it, it does make people panic, but it didn't make me panic. I'm like, oh, what if the phone, no, I don't care if the phone dies. I don't like, we didn't have phones everywhere back then. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> I mean, I was born in the analog age and I, I was a young adult when we started to really move into and, and actually I was, you know, I was a, I was an adult when we really started to move into the digital age. And it is really like the, the immediacy that things come and actually that sort of leads me back to something we were talking about with like people being high, you know, the, the, the percentage of diversity and the percentage of like people who are neurodiverse and other, and you were, you were saying that you think that, that it's not necessarily an increase of number. What I would actually argue is that I think that it's a rain barrel effect in the sense that everything is coming at us at such a rapid pace. And there is so much more information that we are processing that where many people were able to sort of pass or were able to basically kind of function because there was less strain on the system, now oh, yeah. the systems are getting maxed out and people are spinning out or just not able to control the sensitivity or the neurodiversity in the way that maybe when the world was just simpler, we could. Yeah. But it's like yeah. the increase of... I mean, it's amazing when I think about like exactly what you're talking about. Like if you were going to write a paper when I was a child, like you had to like get the encyclopedia, you had to go to the library and like yeah. look stuff up. And if it was <laughs> a card catalog, article, card catalog. And then if, if you, and if you were looking for an old article in a newspaper, you would often have to go and get microfiche and oh, yeah. like get this weird thing printed up. And then there was no scanners. There was no like ability to like, just grab a piece of text and put it into a document. Everything had to be either handwritten or typed. Yeah. And you were con, you know, I mean, so what now takes a half hour to write as a research paper took weeks to do back. In oh, the yeah. Day. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a callus. I still do because I, I still write a lot, but but I really didn't, you know, on you <laughs> write from a pencil. Yes, you yes. can use pens. <laughs> um, and and it, it's just, you know, the same with like, if you wanted to communicate with someone that you couldn't call because they're long distance and it was expensive, you had to write them a letter and mm -hmm. you had to wait for that letter. So it required patience and everything. So I was thinking about this very thing on my way to work this morning because um, I, I don't have my phone on in the car and I was listening to regular radio. I know, gasp, like that's what keeps us all, you know, but kids nowadays, you know, my, my kids get in the car and they automatically want their playlist. So. Mm -hmm. I think things like that have disconnected us from our, even people who are highly intuitive might not know it or use it. They might know it, but not use it as much because of things like that. Because I get messages from, from guides and spirits and everything else, even through the radio. Mm -hmm. If Absolutely. I had a, yeah, if I had a pre-planned 
playlist. Yeah, you wouldn't be getting that. that information. No, we and had... I would know what's coming next. You know, it wouldn't be, it, it would be predictable. We had an amazing, so back when I first opened up my tattoo studio a long, long time ago, because I don't even do that anymore, but like we had a hundred disc CD player that like had like, that was on rotation. And at the time when it was just me and my original business partner, the one who hated computers, um, we each had 50 CDs in. It was absolutely amazing how frequently the conversation that we were having would then be played as a song like that there would be yeah. something we were doing or something we were saying or some kind of piece that was going on and the music would just like come on and the next thing would be absolutely reflecting exactly what it was that we were thinking about and this was not even a digital like this was an analog a, you know, like mechanical CD player that just moved, like that just shifted oh, yeah. through things. It wasn't like there was Siri listening or yeah. anything. It was just, it was amazing how frequently though the music was exactly what we needed, like related to the thing. And that happens to me when I walk in e even like Walmart or a grocery yeah. store or something. And I'm like, okay. Cause I think about this all the time. I'm like, I, I bet this would resonate with multiple people in different ways at this point in their life, whatever songs on or whatever. But I'm like, it's a tragedy if I'm the only one that's paying attention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that is so sad. That is That's... really sad. Well, and then also just people, how so how frequently people chalk it up to, oh, it's just a coincidence. It's just, yeah, oh, it's just, just oh, no, yeah, whatever. And it's yeah. like, no, this is a message from the yes. universe specifically for you about yeah. something that you were thinking about that you needed an answer for. And boom, here's your answer. And even if it resonates with multiple people, well, yes, of course, there's more. But I always say, you know, you are always in the exactly the right place at exactly the right time where you were meant to be good or bad. Right. And so there's a reason you clicked on my, you know, if, if you were in New Orleans driving home, whatever, and you turn the radio station here, there's a reason that this came on. My Shoot, my TV will come on, on in the middle. Of, I don't even watch TV hardly, but it'll come on in the middle of the night and show me something that I need to know. Mm -hmm. And I better pay attention because mm -hmm. sometimes it's something serious. Like one yeah. time, um, you know, I, I lived in a different neighborhood and it was pretty bad. And my TV would come on in the middle of the night and it would be like cops, on, like the show cops. And then mm -hmm. it'd be mm -hmm. like, like it would flicker and switch to something else and be like somebody, you know, show um, an investigation team or something. Um, and then... It, there would be like the next day somebody's house got broken. It was, you know, something. And I'm like, wow, I should really, you know, pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that happens in the middle of the night. So I get um, communication a lot through license plates. And yep. that's been something. And one of the mm -hmm. freakiest ones that I ever experienced was many, many years ago. Um, my friend and I were driving. We were on a long drive 
down to a part of Massachusetts called P-Town, which is like at the very, very edge of Cape Cod. And we were, so we had like a couple hour drive going down and going back. And we were talking at the time, I was like kind of on a rant about patriarchy and, you know, Yahweh and just like the whole kind of thing. And I was kind of like, I was in a mood <laughs> and I was talking and I was sort of like, just basically saying like, you know, you've really, you really <laughs> did a number on us, dude. And as we are driving, just as I finished saying this, the car, this car comes in front of me and the license plate is for Zion. Yeah. And I was like, and I knew I was like, it was sort of like, look, you little bug. I'm not going to crush you right now, but just letting oh, yeah. you know, I'm listening to you. Like I, yep. I heard you, I hear you. It was the, I mean, it was uncanny how I, I relevant will, uh, it was. There's been, and I swear they changed right in front of me, you know, because, um, also, also in situations to help me, not just, you know, to warn me about, to warn me yeah. a lot, but, yeah. um, the other day I, my, my daughter and I, and, and I knew that I shouldn't have gone to that specific store. And then there was a long line and then it took us a long time. I hadn't eaten in a while. I'm hypoglycemic. And I started getting very, like, I was probably about to pass out and my daughter had like some applesauce or some, she's like, mom, mom, you need to, when we got to the car, like that's almost too late. Mm -hmm. Driving out of the parking lot, there was one there was a car that had a license plate that said Trisha. I'm like, well, that's a, <laughs> like if that doesn't. <laughs> so, and then um, what was the other one? It was like, it said, um, there's one that said sugar baby. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, universe. It's got jokes. And what was it? And I take pictures of these sometimes because for the longest time, I mean, obviously not while I'm driving, but like those were parked cars. So, mm -hmm. um, but for the longest time, you know, over the years, and, and they still kind of ignore it a lot and just think I'm crazy, which is fine. I, I get it. I probably would have too 10 years ago, but I, I would take pictures of things to sh to prove to my family, you know, that. <laughs> but these things used to happen to my mom all the time. And sometimes it's like an overload to her. She's like, I, I can't, your world, I I can't, I've got to go. You know, same thing. We were talking about something nostalgic from New Mexico. And she was talking about the year I was born. And all of a sudden this car comes where we were parked and parallel parks in front of us. And it had a New Mexico plate that said 1981, which is oh the year I was goodness. born. And she's like, I'm done. I'm done. You know, I, it's fascinating to me. We just actually, it's funny. We just watched the movie Nope the other day. Um, Jordan Peele's newest movie, which is, was, which was, is quite delightful and is all about extraterrestrials. Um, and, but, you know, kind of that whole thing of like, when you just are like, yep, nope like not going there. Like that is literally what the name of the movie is like, nope, yeah. I'm not doing that. And I just think it's so fascinating to me how there are those of us like you and I who like lean into it and are curious about it and fascinated by it. And are like, I have to know more. And then there are people like your mom and um, just, you know, I mean, my mom was so in the nope that 
she had just kind of like, she's like, this does not like my mother's very sensitive, but she just kind of like shut all of that stuff down. Like, just like not even acknowledging it, no validation of it, no recognition of it. Kind of like, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a coincidence. Nope. <laughs> and I just find it fascinating. Like, why is it there are some of us like you and I who are like, yes. And then there are these other people who are just like, nope, <laughs> not going well, there. Like I said, I, in the beginning, I was, I was very religious and um, I was the same way, mm -hmm. but that didn't stop it from happening. It got, <laughs> it got even stronger yeah. to where literal billboards, you know, I remember, I remember that so vividly. I was, I, I used to sell cars and I was on a test drive and I'm like, nope, no, all these things that were happening that were literally trying to slap me in the face, you know, because I would channel all the time and not know how to shut it off or change it or anything. And all these things would happen that probably normal people would have to be on some sort of, you know, hallucinogen or something that was just happening to me all the time, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that was after my, my last near death experiences. So I couldn't shut it off. Mm -mm. And I was, I was in this car with on a test drive with a couple we had a language barrier anyways, but I couldn't concentrate on that because there was a billboard that literally said like, Trisha, do you know? And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> like, so that was the first time. Um, and I'm like, I, I really am crazy. I've lost my, I've lost it. Uh, nope. Nope, I nope. lost my mind. Yeah. And then it started happening. Like friends would go on road trips and stuff with me. And it happened when they I'm like, wait, you can see that too. <laughs> They're like, what is happening? They're like, why does this only happen when we're around you? And I'm like, oh no, that's not what I'm worried about. I'm I'm happier that you can see it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then they would, they're like, it's like another world going, you know, anywhere with you because these things, I'm like, maybe it's, I'm like, not really. It happens all the time. You just, in your world, you just don't know. You're just it. not noticing it because you're watching Gamera <laughs> right. and Godzilla and you're not aware of all the other things that are going on in the world around you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was at a concert, which this was actually pretty terrifying. Um, and it was in Kansas City. It was it was a few years ago, actually. And my friend that I went with went to the restroom or whatever. I'm staying there, and they started this um, DJ came on stage between bands and and started playing music, and they had all these lights and stuff. Everybody, I swear to you, this was the craziest thing. Everybody stops. Everyone in there stops and is just staring, like blank stare, not blinking, not moving, nothing at these screens that have random um sound frequencies and and lights and everything but this was before i knew anything about any of that and they're but they're just like zombies like mm -hmm. and i'm mm -hmm. like so it was me and i look around and there's one other girl looking around one in this entire huge crowd looking around at everybody like confused and i went up to i literally went up to somebody i'm like i'm talking i'm like are you okay um is it and me and her, like, she sees me across, because we're the only ones moving. And I put my arm, I'm like, and my friend walks up behind me, and he's like, whoa, this is what? I'm like, do you see? I'm like, do you see? What is wrong with all these people? And then the DJ stops, and everybody goes back to normal. Like, don't eat. Wow. I'm like, 
Oh, wow. Wow. That's scary. That's that is scary. I mean, I've seen I remember when my one of my nephews was, you know, I don't know, like eight, nine years old. And he was um, sorry, I just got a text message that I from from the spouse who is like, are you almost done? I'm like, I'm just going to say not yet. <laughs> um, he was my nephew was um, my nephew was a like a kid. And I just remember I was trying the television, somebody had turned the TV on and he just like, it was like, he, he just like entrained with the television set mm -hmm. and there was no getting through to him. Like I'm like talking to him and he's not even hearing me. And yeah. I saw it, but I saw that zombie, like it was, it was one of the first times where I'd saw it. I seen it. I saw it so clearly and it's so fascinating how easily we can entrain to certain things. We can get sucked into those things. So I, yeah, I had the experience many years ago. I was attending a lecture that Robert Anton Wilson was doing, who wrote like Schrodinger's Cat and the Illuminati trilogy. He was kind of like this guy, oh, yeah. wrote some really interesting stuff, but he was, and he was very aware of kind of hypnotic suggestion and stuff. And mm -hmm. so he did this thing where he basically did a hypnotic induction in the middle of his lecture with his entire audience. And I remember going like him starting this thing, talking about something. And then I remember waking up on the other side of this induction where he was like, ha ha, I just did this thing to you guys. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, I think as human beings, we like to think of ourselves as having a lot of autonomy and a lot of free will, but I think mm -hmm. we are often a lot more vulnerable than we necessarily want to acknowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I kept getting um, a message to get my hypnotherapy certification, um, it was after, it was a year after I had a traumatized, terrible experience with a UFO that, that I, I talked about on um, The Outer Limits, uh, uh, gosh, like a month ago. But one of the time, like, there was this entire ship over Manhattan and, um, but I was in traffic and they blocked off the highways and all of a sudden I see these lights above us, you know, and my kids, every time they would flash these lights, uh, they could be in the middle of a conversation. They just, mm. and I'm like, and I would see the people in the cars next to me, the same thing happen. And, and of course, you know, there's theories and folklore about that, that it doesn't like, witches can't be hypnotized and all this other stuff. Well, so I was like, I'm like, what is happening? And then they would come to and wouldn't remember anything right. that happened or have a different memory of what, where we were going or what we were doing. And I'm like, you know, and, and with kids, I'm like, okay, I'm not <laughs> going to argue this with, you know, yeah. or tell them different or anything, but, um, it was interesting to me because it's the same thing with um, 
with lights in in our present world as well you know they start changing all the street lights to purple or different colors they start um headlights if you're sensitive mm. to that yes. and so there's been studies now of people who've had car accidents and gone off the road all of a sudden and or like train conductors and it's the same theory as people who have accidents in certain um tunnels and in certain weather and stuff because it 100 as far as science goes is a form of hypnosis mm, and it's mm -hmm. dangerous mm -hmm. when you start playing with of course color we we're just like animals and it's the same with animals you know deer in the headlight mm -hmm. uh, okay you think of a ufo what do they do shine a light on exactly what is somebody's gonna freeze right yeah. yeah and so all of the i'm like that's really we aren't in a free <laughs> a free world at all we're, we're completely manipulated all the time you know and it's but um it's equally healing to accept that because i i can't control that you know i can't well and you know the while yes there are things there's you know there's media and there's there's things that are being that where we're being manipulated but then the other side of it is when you know that the message is coming through from a divine channel, from something higher than ourselves, oh, yeah. I just take such comfort in that of like, you know, like, like the world is bigger, is so much bigger than is dreamt of in our human philosophy and our, our ego is capable of imagining. And it's like, even if the DJ is hypnotizing a room, you know, an entire concert of people or you know, and the, and, and the, you know, the, the, the UFO is like impacting all of these people. There is a power that is even greater than that. That's, that's watching over all of it. I sincerely believe. And that I, I take a great deal of comfort in. Well, and that's what happened. It's kind of like you were saying, um, you know, at some point we just say, have to say no mas, you know, this is, that's no not. Mas. Well, the same thing happened to me after a, a lot of experiences and stuff, which were done by humans, you know, mm -hmm. um, the, the mill labs and everything else, um, it, or being used for remote viewing or, or whatever. Something else, something bigger started helping me, started saving me. It's like they said, no more, no more. No more. Well, and I was, you know, the conversation that I was having with my friend, Allison, who is, you know, this show's going to air a ways out, but we had, we recorded it the other day and, you know, we were talking about when she, because she had like, there were these ETs that had been sort of like around her family for a very long time. And when she basically like said, look, I can't deal with this anymore. You gotta cut it out. Yeah. They were like, oh, sorry. Okay, we'll leave you alone now. And I do think that one of the things that is important for us to realize is that we have agency with our boundaries, even with things that are larger or greater than ourselves, and that we do get to say no mas. We do get to say, this is not comfortable for me. I say no. And I think about, you know, kind of like vampire mythology before they totally started breaking the canon all over the place. <laughs> like vampires that can walk around in the day. Hello. We've been watching the originals and it's like they can drink, they can eat, they can walk in the daylight. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, 
but but you know the old mythology of like the vampire cannot enter into the space unless they are invited unless they have been allowed in and i well, think nobody can nobody can and i think that's the thing we need to remember is that we both have the ability to say we have the ability to revoke the invitation we can pull we can take it back and say no no mas I'm not comfortable with this. This is not working for me anymore. No, no, not working. And and I think a lot of that and a lot of my my journey and coming back to Kansas all these times has 100% had to do with that because it's like the Wizard of Oz, you know, the man behind the curtain. It was all like he wasn't powerful. She always had the ability to change her reality exactly exactly yeah. well and what's so fascinating talking about you know talking about um symbols and information i'm finding it so fascinating that we're having this whole um wizard of oz sort of sub theme going on because for me wizard of oz has always been an indication that something really interesting is coming next and it was mm -hmm. always an indication for me that wherever I am, I'm on the verge of uh, like an ascension or an up level or of a new like initiatory transformational experience. So I find it very fascinating that we're talking, it's so meta in the mm -hmm. sense that we're talking about messages coming and you keep on referring to Wizard of Oz aspects because for me, you know, G Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain are two things that are are very much the universe like it's it's kind of like an in joke between me and the universe whenever there's wizard of oz commentary so i i'm like okay i'm paying attention you guys are you guys are like giving me some information here i'm listening i'm paying attention well and there well there's so that movie has been redone um i don't know if you've seen the different versions of it i've seen a number um, of them yeah yeah. Um, so the funny thing, when uh, it was right before my my not my last heart attack, but one before that, um, in in Manhattan, and I was I was still drinking. I was still you know doing things. I living a lot life like I shouldn't eating tons of sugar. And I mean I was mm -hmm. I never did like illegal things, but I'm talking about like stuff that I knew was bad for me going yeah. back to toxic people, stuff like that, toxic jobs, toxic. And I, I went to see um, a drag show, which, which was great. This has nothing to do with their performance or anything, but the name of it was Dirty Dorothy. And, um, and it was like uh, a week later, maybe that I had a heart attack, <laughs> you know, and, um, and then, come around to this year uh last spring actually i went to a play performed by by my niece's school and it was i was like this is it was so touching and so to everybody there you know i was like man this is like it's like they're professionals on broadway these kids had so much energy into it and, and stuff and it was like such an innocence and uh and, and i'm like that's like comparing the dirty Dorothy me to where I've come now, mm -hmm. you know, it's such a cycle that 
that was the crazy that you know when you start thinking because initially back that back then when I had that heart attack I'm like well this is the tin man here I need a heart like literally and figuratively back then um you know and so many so many things and I think I went through the phases of each character you know when you kind of relate to something like that and and then for a while um I was I was a coward you know and I had this picture of a lion on and that kept coming up the cowardly and I was like you know as far as um being afraid of all these things that are Mm -hmm. just fears Mm -hmm. and illusion um, and then the scarecrow, you know, <laughs> needing a brain. My here's my guy. It's like how many times we have strike, like, strike you with lightning or electrocute you or give you a heart, whatever. <laughs> You're gonna like start using your brain. And uh, so I went through all the all the little phases. You know, even the the wicked witch part probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, I have tended, as I'm listening, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can totally see going through all the different archetypes of the Wizard of Oz. I totally get that. I tend to really kind of align myself with Glinda and, you know, and just kind of like I keep myself in kind of that, like, are you a good witch or a bad witch? (laughs) Like, I just kind of stay in the good witch category and really keep myself sort of in that space. but I just, I love how you were talking about like the, the dirty Dorothy versus this beautiful, like the evolution of our souls and the evolution mm-hmm. of ourselves and the evolution of our journey and how, yeah. how far we can, we can come with all of it. I, and I think, you know, I, I think I relate to Glenda now and I try to keep myself in that, but I've been all of those characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all have mm-hmm. um, at some point. Yeah. Everyone has caused the storm. Everyone's been, you know, the bad witch. Everyone's been a flying monkey. Everyone's it, at some point in our lives, even whether we, that's one thing about my last near death experience is um, all the things that flashed back in my head when, when I died and came back. I, it's like I've gotten to go back and reflect on each one a different, I mean, through the, through these last few years and see it from a different perspective. And my God showed me why those things happen from that person's point mm-hmm. of view. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. That's, that's, uh, it changes, you, you know, it, it changes you as a person because it's things I n- never considered. Right. Um, it, it is, it is so amazing when you have that perspective shift where you're kind of like, oh, I see, I get it. I see, like, they came to this in this way because of this. And I mean, so often as human beings, we form these conclusions and we we cop a resentment and we are mm-hmm. like, they did that because blah, blah, blah. And sometimes, I mean, it's just because there are no women to wash the dishes and you just got to make the paper plates. You know, it's, it just happens. You know, something you said a while back that I wanted to circle back around to was you were talking about like a witch cannot be hypnotized. And I was thinking about, I have had since I was a very fairly young, I'm not enamored of glamour, like in the mm-hmm. sense of like magical glamours. Okay. I can see a, I, I charismatic people in general, I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever, do your care, you know, like take your charisma and go someplace else because it's not going to work on me. And 
you know, and I think, I mean, I think hypnosis and charisma are like deeply interconnected. And it's fascinating to me just watching the world and seeing how, you know, there's like these experiences like you were talking about with like the um, UFO and like the DJ and the screens, but yeah. then also the charismatic leaders, the charismatic gurus, the charismatic yeah. influencers, um, you know, these rock star kind of people where it's like people are just like, like it's like they're so completely full of it. Mm -hmm. And yet they've got people eating out of their hand or yeah. spoon feeding them, like giving them everything that they want. And it's just fascinating how some of us are less able to be duped by, you know, by energy that's designed to manipulate than some of the rest of us. And I don't think that it's not, I, I, I think that we're we're able to be hypnotized, but but we realize and come come out. You know, it's like yeah. yes, I have been fooled by numerous people in my life. Yeah, be, and, and that comes with the empathic part too. You know, because oh, yeah. you want to see the good in everybody. Right. You want, we don't, and and especially you know, like autism stuff. I I sometimes it's complete innocence to me. Like I can't fathom some of the things that people do you know that wouldn't even cross my realm yeah you take of... people at face value right 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 and and so i think that's part of it too you know yes i'm a, i'm able to be fooled i have been numerous times mm -hmm. and i am able to be hypnotized i've been that but now uh, and i think that's why i was meant to go to uh obtain my certification in hypnotherapy because i see how it works i mm -hmm, realize mm -hmm. it I, you know, I see it happening and um, can also protect myself from things yeah, like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very, I can be, I'm a great hypnotic subject when I have with consent. Right. And, you know, and I think even with that whole story about Robert Anton Wilson, and it was like, he basically told us what he was going to do. He did not just start hypnotizing us. He actually said, I am now going to do this thing to you guys. Right. And pretty much people were like, oh, okay. And, you know, and I just like, it, I lost time. Like I lost a chunk of time. Mm -hmm. I think pretty much the entire room lost a chunk of time. But there is a way in which I consented to it. I didn't mm -hmm. like be like, okay, he's going to hypnotize the room. I'm going to get up and leave, or I'm going to go stand at the very back of the room and kind of watch him. Like I just slid in and was experiencing that. So yeah, I don't think that we are incapable of being hypnotized, but I do think that there is this way that we can feel when something's going against our will yes. and where we can kind of sense that. But sometimes that's from having our will violated right or, i and i yeah struggled with that that specific part a lot because every time i've been taken or every time i've been used for remote viewing or every time whatever happens and i know it, it like the second i come to you and i know it and i started doing stuff excuse me prior to like i didn't even realize i was doing it at first i would take a screenshot of the time on my my radio or my I would ac accidentally take a screenshot and find it later on my phone you know and it was those it was I I would break down after you know 
I'm like, no, no. And then all of a sudden I would remember the experience and it would come back. And whereas in other parts of my life, it took me, you know, I didn't remember any of these things for until I was in my Mm thirties and I would start Mm -hmm. remembering back to things that happened in my life. But um, now I know right away. And it is that violation of, I didn't allow that, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, but there's, um, to that extent, there's not a lot I can do, (laughs) you know, we can do. And and I think I, I've mentioned before that it's one of those things, you know, we're, we're never going to be the top of the food chain. We're never going to be, we're just as bad to frogs in biology and anthills and anything else, you know? So, um, I hope they're the good farmer that doesn't, doesn't want to abuse their cattle, you know, and, and, uh, wants me to have a good life, even though I'm going to be eaten at the end of it, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, I, I just accept it as that. So. Well, and that sort of leads me back to just this, this whole piece of, I've really been feeling into what it means to be a cell in the body of this planet and that we are, we are going to, like, we are just part of this earth as the ants are, as the cows are, as the frogs are. Like, we're just, we're just a cell in the body of this earth. We are no greater. We are no smaller. We are just cells in the body of the earth. And that's really what we are. I think one of the greatest movies ever, ever made to this day that I tell people to I even had a whole experience with that too. We'll have to talk about something you and I. <laughs> um, is the Lion King. I think ever I don't care if you've seen it, I want you to go back and watch it. Um, pay attention to the little things that are said in that. And I think that's you know, that's such a good example of how we should live. You know, they the gazelle know that the lions are gonna eat them, but in the end they all have to come together to take care of their land and their you know each other and everything else not let the the bad hyenas come in and overhunt and kill everything and you know it's um and it's funny because because when i the last time i took my kids to see that um there was um there's these rock formations out west in kansas they're called the badlands and um and then we we were at that same zoo there was this lion that I had, it's a bronze lion statue. And I had never noticed, cause I never got, I've sent paying attention to the little things. I never got close enough to, I was really looking at it. I had seen it and taken pictures of it numerous times, taking pictures on it for that matter. And when I got up close, there's other animals that the artists like incorporated in the legs and everything. And I went to the front of it and I never noticed the name of the lion was Genesis. And I'm like, that's interesting. Wow. And then wow. Um, they renamed the Badlands, the rock formation out west, Little Jerusalem this year, mm. which is interesting. Mm. That is, is that, really interesting. Yeah. That means, uh, Jeru means the gift and Salem means peace. So mm. Mm. I was like, well, that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, Jen, it is 10 I know. <laughs> It's you and I can talk. We, you and I could talk. Like we could just talk. talk. We could talk. We could talk. But I, 
I assume that we weren't meant to yet. So that just means I'll have to have you back again. I know. Cause we were, I think we were going to talk about EFT, but yes. we never, yeah. But instead we went on a wild ride. What an amazing conversation. I assume somebody somewhere, even if it's just one person, they could change the world one day meant to hear something we were talking about well and i mean it's it was such a setup in in like kind of a divine and perfect way because like i mean technology was acting completely wonky which completely like it was almost like spirit just created the platform and was like you're going to talk about technology you're going to technology you're going to you're going to talk about technology and influencers and or not influencers and well influencers and experiencers and just like it ended up just being i'm sure exactly exactly what we were supposed to talk about. So we'll have to make a plan to have a conversation about EFT another time. <laughs> well, and, you know, talking about the um, electronics and stuff, it's, it, yeah. it probably wouldn't, our, I, I think, you know, as far as my spirit, my rides, they're, they're like, doesn't matter what you two talk about when you're talking about something that interests you, you're putting out good energy. So yeah. That in exactly. Itself is something. And exactly. your little, I think it was a cat peeking up behind yes, you for a while. There's, there's, so there's Neo. Oh, oh, I couldn't see that one. I just yep, saw the one behind Neo, the pillow. And then Livy is behind. She's yes. kind of hiding there. And then yeah, actually, she kept like when you were talking, she would she would like like raise her hand. Oh, paw, I guess raise her paw. Like hey, excuse me. Hey, oh my goodness. And then this is Lilu. Lilu is oh. the Lilu is a pug which means that she's got some bulldog and other stuff in her. And, uh, but she keep is... talking. I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to grab something real quick though. Okay. Yeah. Lilu is Lilu is we rescued her back in January of this year. So we just got her and, uh, she is absolutely the love of my life. So, so... Lilu wanted to say hi. This happens every time I have somebody on my show and I painted a picture of a pug that looks, and it's like your shirt below it too. It's not finished. Oh my it. goodness. Look at that. To you. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. Yes. And yes. it's not just your regular pug. It's got more of a brindle pug look than your average pug because usually pugs are like, you know, the dark mm -hmm. muzzle and the eyes and then, you know, but she's got this very brindle face. So she's modeled, merled in this, the way that the that's, image is. Maybe that's why I didn't ever color in the white. I was like, ah, I know I've got a light in the eyes and stuff so you can kind mm -hmm. of see it better. But I didn't, I didn't paint in, like, I left the rest of it like a brushed marbly look. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the floor is, is kind of like the color of your almost yeah exactly when you're yeah. holding <laughs> you were yeah you were you were uh you were picking up you were picking up on Lilu. um i actually started painting this um <laughs> september two years ago oh wow and i just found it like a few weeks ago and started working on it again how cool is that so, yeah it's the way the world works. Same. I mean, every single time any guest, I, I, I've told everyone, you know, I intuitively have guests on that I'm supposed to learn something from as far, you know, as well as my, my audience and my listeners. So totally. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me again. It has been truly a pleasure. It and, has uh, been. Yeah. And, uh, here's Tell to everyone where you can find, um, your, I, Awesome. Kicker. 
Okay. So Where's the ticker? The ticker just isn't the ticker has the ticker was like, yeah, no, you're you don't need a ticker. Wait, you saw me put that. <laughs> I did. And I just it was like, yeah, no, you don't need to worry about the ticker. So my book, Empathic Mastery, a five-step system to go from emotional hot mess to thriving success. Really easy. Empathicmasterybook.com. So head on over to empathicmasterybook.com to get a copy of the book and really learn about how to navigate, like how to recognize what's yours and not yours, how to release toxic energy that you've been absorbing, how to protect yourself psychically, emotionally, and physically, and also how to replace negativity with positivity and light and how to live in alignment with your highest good by taking actions that support it. So that's what this is, empathicmasterybook.com. And to just be part of my world and learn more about my stuff, come join my free Facebook group, all kinds of, you know, lots of, I love sharing information. That is just go visit empathicmastery.com. And I will just say also, you're going to be, I'm going to be interviewing you yes. sometime soon for the Empathic Mastery Show. Um, I am not a live show, so I record things and then they get released over time. But you can also come on over and check out my podcast all about all things empath. You know, it's like we talk empath, you know, all day, every day. And that is at empathicmasteryshow.com. And um, I was going to say, well, first of all, happy um, late anniversary. Thank you. Was it late? It's, it was, uh, yeah, it was on the 23rd. We had our 21st wedding anniversary. So our, our marriage is now old enough to drink. Oh, yeah. Well, I, but, but that's, I, I was going to say, um, happy late anniversary, but also subscribe to Jen's newsletters. They're amazing. Oh, thank you. And I, I, you know, it's so, I love the way the, um, the language, the the voice you you write in, because it's, it's exactly how you talk, and I love that. Because when people do that, first of all, I know it's them mm -hmm. writing it, and not yeah. some AI mass email, you know, whatever system. And so it's more personalized. But but I hear you yeah. and your your personality coming through in your in your newsletters, and I I just love that because it's literally like you you're there teaching me and give me this wisdom in your newsletter so oh thank you sign up for her newsletter thank um, you which you can do by visiting empathicsensitivity.com yeah yeah and i teach a lot of stuff through the newsletter if you sign yes. up you'll get a ton of support a ton of information and all kinds of opportunities and i just i mean we are going to be launching the beta ver or not the beta this mock 2 like empathic mastery academy 2.0 is going live and is going to be starting with the first class we're going to have our first meeting gathering on thursday and uh i'm very excited about that i've been gearing up for this and getting ready for this and the universe kept on throwing curveball after curveball at me from like November of 2019 until now and now they're like you must do this no matter what like they're just like it is going to happen so um I'm it's like be... me and my book and my website and everything oh, <laughs> people are like why is it taking you because I had to make three not because, just and because it there's takes, three of me and and because it takes the time that it takes it totally takes the time and, that it takes and you know I know better I know better because every time the universe is like nope nope 
because the first ones, the first anything I made, the first website, the first, you know, banner, any, any, anything, I, I paid someone to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly capable. And, and then obviously I was like, wow, that looks like some mass produced template. And I just spent a lot of money for nothing because I don't like, and they're like, here's my guides, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe if you'd start listening to us. Yeah, probably. I I swear they probably think I'm like Helen Keller. I I can't. I, <laughs> I think I, uh, my experience is that they are they are very compassionate towards us human beings. Like they kind of like I don't know. Like I have this image of like you know like a like a a big a big old grandmother you know who's just kind of like looking going like <laughs> you guys are just so silly yeah. but um i i don't think that they i just don't think they have the kind of like judgment towards us that we have towards ourselves like they're just kind of like yeah you'll figure it out i will say personally that i am a really huge fan of of templates that i then get to go in and adapt i'm oh. really working with that and actually a lot of the um a lot of the email writing that I'm doing, I'm part of a really amazing email membership club by a woman named Liz Wilcox, who I'm actually going to be interviewing pretty soon because Liz is one of us. And um, Liz, but the thing about the way Liz offers email, she offers like a flow and sort of like, here, do this, do this, do this. But it's like, you can really put your own words into it. So but I find that Liz, Liz and I, and Liz and I, like our brains just like do this together really well. Like we write really well together because mm-hmm. I've actually like done prior, you know, sessions with Liz where we've talked to each other. But I love, you know, I just want to say that even if you want to write, like I will often start with some kind of really, really loose outline or framework and then oh. I write. And yeah, I'm not saying yeah. templates are, are I, yeah. I use templates too. Templates, for, for I love templates. and everything else. I I'm love talking templates. about the mass marketing emails. Oh yeah. Those awful like, AI stuff where you're dear, just like, right. it is so generic. So good morning. Good you know, morning. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm well, like, that's... when somebody uses, when somebody uses, like I have a friend who I can always tell when her copywriter has changed because suddenly the terms of endearment go from the ones that she uses to something completely right. different. And I'm like, this is not her language. This is not her mm-hmm. vocabulary. This does not sound like her. And that's one of the things that I really like when I'm writing for my newsletter, especially, I really love to write in a way that it's like, you guys know that I'm telling yeah, you about my, yeah. my, you no, know, my, I, 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 I wasn't referring to like outlines or, or even verbiage or anything, but I'm talking about if you just let somebody else or something else, someone else, whatever, write everything for you and you don't ever go back over it or like personalize it a little bit, that that's the type of, oh yeah. Because then you don't know what's going on and it, and it's no not, idea. It's not your, um, and I think that's something that's important to empaths too, you know, because yeah. we're so, we can see through inauthenticity. Inauth- we totally can. That well, we and- can't do that ourselves because... It would drive well. I well, know, yeah, and I mean, me if you're working well. with empaths and intuitives and psychics, it's like you have to be the real deal because they yes. can see through bullshit like immediately. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and t- we don't have filters, and, and no. some people don't. Well, people eventually appreciate that. I've learned, like most of my mm-hmm. good friends, I probably made cry the first time, not not even on purpose. You know, I obviously don't intentionally. It's just I. I'm blunt and I'm, you know, 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I would much rather deal with blunt. I would much rather know where I'm at than deal with like, I mean, social, social games have always baffled me. They just don't make any sense whatsoever. I'd much rather be around somebody and just like, who's telling the truth yes. and not mincing words. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> I my Lilu is like looking at me like, come on, where are you going yes, down here? Have so. to go, and I have to eat dinner. But yeah, it has been a pleasure, um, Jen. As always, oh, I, I was so excited. Been a delight. Yeah, I I love talking to you. Me and, too. Um, right back at you. I will have to. I'll, I'll definitely post on my page uh, when my interview with her is going to be coming up, and obviously, I'm going to have her back on again to. <laughs> To tap, to talk, we'll talk about, about you no, know, I'm not even gonna like, I'm not even gonna make a pro to talk about whatever the universe wants us to talk. Actually, about, that apparently. is probably true. It is because, gonna be uh... a, it's the Trish and Jen show, and we will see where the universe wants to take us. Yeah. All right, everyone. So be safe. Um, have a good week. I hope you're getting over that uh, equinox energy and made it through <laughs> through the weekend with that. Um, tune in next week. Um, Monday night, not well, as you all know now, 8 p.m. ish Central Time here on 105.3 New Orleans and uh, United Public Radio Network. So have a good night, everyone. Be safe. <laughs>